Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is halfway there. The weekend is going to be right around the corner, praise be to God, but we still have a great week lined up for you as far as guests go. Today, one synod to rule them all. We're going to be talking about that with Dr. Jules Gomez from the uh, Church Militant. He's going to be on today to talk about synods, their effects, their their risks, and all of that. Uh, as a former Anglican priest who uh, went through that process, he's going to give us some insight uh, so that's coming up at 15 past the hour in the What's Concerning Us section. 35 past the hour, Michael Hitchborn is going to be our guest. He is with the Lepanto Institute. He's got a new report out that is really difficult to to uh, to stomach at the Vatican Agency, directly tied to communism, abortion, idolatry. Really? What is going on here? In the name of charity, is communism being taught? We're going to have a conversation around that with Michael Hitchborn at 35 past the hour. So uh, that plus news, saint of the day, gospel of the day. We're going to have a, a great conversation, a lot of good uh, topics to dive into, plus an after show, and so, so much more. All of that. In addition to that, you also have Adrian Fonseca on the program. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. So all the bad news in the world. You got craziness in Rome, craziness in Germany, synods on synods. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. But, you know, the good news is I'm here. You're very welcome. Um, Praise be to God. Yeah. And you know what? Okay. It's good to be here. Is it really? It is good to be here. Are you serious? I'm serious. Okay. It is uh, better to be than to not to be, right? (laughs) To be or not to be? Mm, that now, is that the question, is the question. Huh? <laughs> isn't it? Isn't it? There you go, folks. There you go, folks. I don't know what else can be said. <laughs> I think perhaps we should uh, just do instead. We'll just we'll call Dr. Jules Gomez right. and call Michael Hitchborn and say, "Hey, never yeah. mind. Yeah. We're just going to read Shakespeare for the whole show. That's all we're going to do." I think that's, that'd be that'd be exciting. That be is exciting. exciting. You know, there's never a shortage of crazy stories to talk about, though. Unfortunately, uh, there are several stories in the headlines that we would have uh, jumped into. Had we had the opportunity, but Dr. Jules Gomez is going to be our guest, at, like I said, at, at the What's Concerning Us section to talk about the synod of synods. But there was a crazy story out of the Daily Wire about uh, uh, a case that a girl was assaulted in the bathroom by a boy wearing a skirt and the school tried to hide it or something like that. It's, it seems insane. Yeah, absolutely horrific. And the father, this is the worst part, and we'll probably have to spend a whole yeah, like you, you said, about, like you said, there's you always there's always bad things in the news. We're never going to be out of a job. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the father was almost arrested. Uh, they tried to arrest the guy because they said he was a domestic terrorist because he came into the school um, yelling at them because they w- did not want to call the police and they did not they wanted to handle it in house. That is rather insane. Mm-hmm. Rather insane. Big time. All right, so there's you're saying there's lots to pray for, fast, and dependence for in exactly. this world. So uh, we have opportunities abounding around us. And read Shakespeare. So for. what we ought to do is pray, uh, pray for the needs of our listeners, pray for the injustices in the world that deserve justice and for holiness to abound and conversion of sinners, of course, and then for our guests today. And then we'll jump into the headlines. We'll do Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and then uh, we're going to have great conversations. So let's do that. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, 
or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. Uh, Praise be to God, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your headlines. Military Times reports, Archbishop says Catholic troops can refuse COVID-19 vaccine. Catholic troops should be allowed to refuse COVID-19 vaccines for conscientious reasons, the Archbishop for the Military Services USA wrote in a statement on Tuesday. Quote, No one should be forced to receive a COVID-19 vaccine if it would violate the sanctity of his or her conscience, unquote, wrote Archbishop Timothy Broglio. In the statement, Broglio pointed to concerns surrounding the moral permissibility of the vaccines, citing citing abortion-related tissues used in development or testing. As reported by Defense One, this is the second time Broglio released a statement providing moral guidance for vaccines. Previously, he wrote, quote, being vaccinated is also an act of charity to our sisters and brothers, unquote. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin announced in late August that vaccines would be mandatory for all U.S. military service members. France 24 reports that the France's top bishop acknowledges primacy of law over confession secrecy. Following publication of a damning report about sexual abuse of children by the clergy, Eric de Molins Beaufort, who is Archbishop of Reims and head of the Bishops' Conference of France, said in a radio interview last week that the rule of secrecy would prevent a priest from reporting sex crimes against children that were revealed during Catholic confession. Under French law, anyone who is aware of a sex crime against a minor is obliged to report it to the authorities and risk heavy fines and imprisonment for failing to do so. After meeting Gerard Moussa Darminian, Minister of the Interior of the Government, on Tuesday, de Moulins Beaufort said in a statement that the confession right must comply with the need to protect children. Darminian also told lawmakers that the confessional secrecy in the Catholic Church could not be used as a justification for denouncing sexual crimes against children. If I'm not mistaken, though, it's uh, it's a mortal sin for priests to uh, confess what they've heard in confession. Hmm. The Hill reports Southwest Airlines CEO says there is no evidence for that flight cancellations are related to vaccine mandates. The CEO of Southwest Airlines said early Tuesday that there is, quote, no evidence of of correlation between the company's COVID-19 vaccine mandate for employees and a string of recent cancellations that left travelers stranded across the country over the weekend. Quote, there's just no evidence of that, unquote, CEO Gary Kelly said during an appearance on ABC's Good Morning America. Kelly acknowledged the company's vaccine requirement is controversial and, quote, nothing I wish for our company, unquote, before noting the airline implemented the policy after an order from President Biden, which, by the way, has not yet come out officially. Quote, we're doing our best to comply with that based on the deadlines that have been set, unquote, Kelly said. The Southwest Airlines Pilots Association has also asserted that the cancellations were not caused by any vaccine-related protest, as some have suggested. Just, I guess, ignore all the pilots on 
social media saying the otherwise. Anyway, National File reports ICU doctor describes nightmarish COVID-19 vaccine injuries in letter to the FDA, CDC, and her lawyer says the agencies have not yet replied. Dr. Patricia Lee, MD, an ICU doctor based in California, issued a shocking letter to the FDA and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention claiming she has observed more vaccine injuries from the controversial COVID-19 vaccine than she has seen in the last 20 years working as a doctor. In the letter, she describes observing, quote, entirely healthy individuals suffering serious, often fatal injuries, unquote, her attorney noted in a follow-up email. In the letter, Dr. Lee points out that while she is, quote, fully vaccinated for COVID-19, unquote, her, quote, personal experience this year treating patients in a busy ICU does not comport with claims made by federal health authorities regarding the safety of the COVID-19 vaccines, unquote. She seeks to arrange a discussion and information gathering session between herself and the appropriate representatives at the CDC and FDA, but they have yet to respond. Those are your headline news for today. And yes, uh, priests confessing are there. The revealing thing that was revealed to them in the confessional is an automatic excommunication for that priest. Uh, the saint of the day is Blessed Alexandrina Maria de Costa. was born on the 30th of March in 1904 at Balasar or Porto in Portugal. She was a laywoman from the Diocese of Braga, Portugal, and at the age of 14, Alex- Alexandrina jumped from a window to escape a rapist. She was injured in the fall and was then paralyzed and was bedridden for the rest of her life. She became a member of the Salesian Cooperators and became a mystic and visionary. The last 13 years of her life, she had the gift of anedia and or living solely off of Holy Communion alone. Wow. She died on the 13th of October, 1955, at Balasar or Porta, Portugal, of natural causes. And she was beatified on the 25th of April in 2004 by Pope John Paul II. Blessed Alexa- Alexandrina Maria da Costa, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 42 through 46. The Lord said, Woe to you, Pharisees! You pay tithes of mint and of rue and of every garden herb, but you pay no attention to judgment and to love for God. These you should have done without overlooking the others. Woe to you, Pharisees! You love the seat of honor in synagogues and greetings in marketplaces. Woe to you! You are like unseen graves over which people unknowingly walk. Then one of the scholars of the law said to him in reply, Teacher, by saying this, you are insulting us too. And he said, Woe also to you, scholars of the law. You impose on people burdens hard to carry, but you yourselves do not lift one finger to touch them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Sadly, their concern for the Torah's most minute laws distract them from its most important principles, justice and love for God. That was from the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible today. I love the, uh, there's so many elements in this little passage that are powerful, right? Um, like that line, these you should have done without overlooking the others. 
You know, sometimes, okay, all the time, we tend to go from one extreme to the other. We tend to throw the baby out with the bathwater. We throw the term Pharisee around like it applies to every Catholic who loves the tradition and patrimony of the church, and as though they are focusing on the minuteness of the liturgy or the laws of the church and ignoring justice and love for a neighbor, all of that. And yet this line, I think, is very telling. These you should have done. You should have done. You should have paid the tithe, the mint, and the rue and every garden herb. You should have done without overlooking the others. You should have also had focus for love of God and love of neighbor. You should have done this without overlooking the others. In other words, our Lord and Savior is trying to tell us we're supposed to do both. But notice also the, the, the issues over corruption. Haydock's commentary points out this comparison is partly different from that of Matthew 23, 27. For there, Christ compares hypocrites to whitened sepulchers. Because in this passage, Jesus is saying, you Pharisees are like unmarked graves that people walk all over and don't know it. And Matthew 23, 27, he says, you're like sepulchers, whitened, beautiful, standing out like, oh, look at that very important person's sepulcher over there. It's so nice. They must have been a powerful, rich, important person. You know, so there's a comparison here. So Hadock says, For there Christ compares hypocrites to whitened sepulchers, which may be seen and avoided. Here he compares them to sepulchers covered with grass, which appear not. Yet the comparison in, in the main is the same, that whether they appear or not, still under them is corruption. And the interior of the Pharisees was always full of vice and corruption. Venerable Bede said this, How miserable! is the conscience which, upon hearing the word of God, thinks itself insulted and always hears the punishment of the reprobate rehearsed as the words of its own condemnation. Golly, you wish, could you imagine? Hearing the word of God is uh, a condemnation? It is a grace to hear the word of God. It would be a blessing to be informed of my sin that I might make a good and holy confession and be reconciled to my Lord. How merciful would it be that the Lord would approach me to tell me what my fault is, that I might be reconciled to him, lest I too be like that grave on the outside looking nice but on the inside corrupted and how many people might encounter me and be corrupted and not even know it. Our Lord has much to tell us in this passage, but we'll talk more about it in the next hour, if you can join us. Coming up after this break, Dr. Jules Gomez from Church Militant. The Synod of Synods, one synod to rule them all. It's coming up next. Gloryandshine.com, a generous underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Gloryandshine.com is a Catholic family-owned company making a variety of personal care products ranging from lotions, soap bars, gift boxes, body mist, beard care, and more. At Gloryandshine.com, they state their mission is to, quote, craft every product with deep intention while holding a vision of sharing the gospel. They are good for the body, mind, and soul, unquote. God love you, Gloryandshine.com. Thank you again. The next National Men's March to End Abortion is Monday, November 15th in Baltimore. We will gather outside of a local abortion center and march to our rally point outside of the USCCB Fall Assembly. Men, it's time. Surely, if you're thinking about the reality, the horror, and the enormity of abortion, you have to be moved to do something. 
go to themensmarch.com for more information and commit to join us on November 15th in Baltimore. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. It's so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Coming up at 35 past this hour, Michael Hitchborn is going to be our guest. Vatican agency directly tied to communism, abortion, and idolatry. That's going to be our conversation based on his new report at Lepanto Institute. That's lepantoin.org. But joining us right now, again, is Dr. Jules Gomez. He has got a PhD. He's a Rome correspondent for Church Militant, and he's on to talk about the Synod of Synods, one synod to rule them all. Good morning, and welcome back to the program, Dr. Jules Gomez. Good morning. It's absolutely smashing to be back with you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I wish, you know, we never we should we should pick out at least one good story to have you on and just talk about, I don't know, fluffy bunnies and sunshine. But uh, there's so many difficulties in the church these days that uh, we have to constantly cover it. Um, and it would seem, you know, this is another one of those stories that on the surface ought to be good. A synod, bishops gathering to talk about the issues that face our church and what we might do about them. And yet... It doesn't feel like good news, does it? It doesn't. And if you are in my shoes, having to cover this bacchanalia of bladder, this volcanic eruption of uh, sheer gobbledygook, <laughs> uh, it, 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 it's you know it's it's painful to the nth degree. Uh, you pin down clergy, you pin down nuns, you pin down lay people, you ask them, what does this specifically mean? Okay, Let, let's get into hard reality here. Let's nail it down. Listening, discerning, accompanying. What does this mean? What is it actually going to change in the church? Are we going to go out and evangelize non-Catholics and non-Christians, bring them to faith in Christ, baptize them, add them to the church? You get a stony silence. So what on earth is going on with the synod of synods, the synod on synodality? Even that term should tell you something. It seems like we're embarking on the church's longest, biggest, and most expensive talking shop. That's going to go absolutely nowhere. I, I was looking at your article over at Church Militants on uh, the, the launch of the, the Synod, and there's a quote here from Pope Francis. We must not make another church. We must make a different church. What do you think he means by that? What, 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 do, what does he think he means by that? What do you think he means by that? What do our listeners think he means by that? that? That is obviously a quote from the famous liberal Vatican II theologian, Yves Conger. Uh, but in its context, it would have obviously said a lot no. But Pope Francis is picking and choosing. It, it's, it's almost a, a rebirth of his 45,000 bloated word uh, Fratelli Tutti which has all these platitudes that mean absolutely nothing. 
Uh, and that cannot be nailed down, some have even called this weaponized ambiguity. Uh, what he's trying to say then, what the liberals will latch on to, we need a different church. This is code for uh, blessing of gay couples. This is code for the ordination of women. Uh, so if it's been the same church for the last 2,000 years that has held firmly to the apostolic deposit of faith, once we're all given to the saints, well, it's time to just get rid of that and create a new, ch a different church that, as Pope Francis said on Saturday, I think, that is open to the zeitgeist, the spirit of the age. Now, my goodness, when I heard that word, I nearly fainted, mm. because for over 25 years as an Anglican priest, now Catholic, uh, <laughs> I used that word in my pulpit precisely to warn my congregation, wow. beware of the zeitgeist, because what's it just tonight? who said who, he who marries the spirit of the age will be a widow in the next. And Zeitgeist is the spirit of the age. And a Pope asking us to cooperate with Zeitgeist rather than uh, to challenge it is, is something beyond belief. I was trying to find the uh, the quote so I could quote it directly from uh, the Holy Father when he was uh, talking about the Synod, and I couldn't find it, but essentially he was saying something along the lines of, don't ha have a uh, bulwark of unchangingness, uh, but instead be open to, uh, to, to being changed. And it really shocked me because everybody, there was a huge response from uh, people on Twitter saying things along the lines of, well, no, I'm I'm going to stand by the traditions of the church, and then and that's going to be the uh, the bulwark in which I stand. As this, because uh, you were, you made the comment earlier, saying, "Well, it's going to be a whole lot of nothing." I think that would be great if it was a whole lot of nothing, but I'm not as optimistic to Feels say like that it would be opt optimistic about that. What exactly is being had? You mentioned the homosexuality. What else is on the agenda for this whole synod? Well, the ordination of women, at least for now, the ordination of women deaconess is being pushed in a big way. And uh, I was on the Isle of Man as an Anglican in my last days as an Anglican priest when the Archdiocese of Liverpool had just begun its, synod its foray into synodality. Mm. And I went to a couple of local parishes and the lay people were very excited about it. You know, people who know uh, little or nothing about their own faith. And I said... Uh, could you tell me what's happening? And they showed me bits of papers, forms that they had to fill in on what they wanted to see their church look like in the next 10 years. And when I looked at those papers, what they had written, we would like to see women ordained as priests. We would like to see the church marry uh, gay couples and welcome them. And I thought to myself, are you going to listen to, if this is a global consultation, are you going to listen to people in the Western world, particularly the German church, by the way, who wants to see all this mm. heresy introduced in, the, in this church? Or are you going to listen to the Africans who are doggedly opposed to any form of homosexual relationships? And, uh, you know, again, in the Church of England, um, I was telling Adrian, uh, I, I'm passionate about this whole cynical business because if there was one thing I hated in the Church of England, it was synods. And it gave the impression that revelation, 
what God has said in Holy Scripture and through the 2,000-year-old tradition of the church doesn't matter anymore. We can do doctrine by democracy. We can make it up as we go along. And in a postmodern world, that is immensely scary because we are already dealing with people who do not believe in truth, in propositional truth that is fixed and unchanging. So for, uh, this is very sinister, and the synod is a whole is an attempt to subvert what the church has been doing, in my opinion, for the last two thousand years. And beware, synodality destroyed the Church of England. And I yeah. come to my beloved one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church, and I, I see that the same danger mm. that we faced in the Church of England, we are now facing in the Church of Rome. It's as though the Protestant Revolution is not yet really over. It's Amen. not really over. It's still happening. Yeah. It's just been stretched out over 500 years. It also seems to me that there is a, a sense of uh, devoiding Holy Mother Church of transcendent truth and beauty. Do they? Do you believe? I mean, I, I'm asking you to stretch yourself a little bit and put yourself in there and in, in the synod's shoes or those that would support such a thing. Do you believe that they think this will lead to conversion of of people and uh, bringing people into the church and stop the himaging himaging of those? that would leave the church um is it possible that they they think this actually will lead to uh, a conversion and a growth i don't think so uh, there was an interview with uh, cardinal mario gretsch the, uh, the the archbishop of malta uh, and the interviewer asked him if you know what he expected from the synod and he said evangelization but the problem is you talk to people at the Vatican about evangelization and ask them, what precisely do they mean? Do they mean conversion of the non-Christian, the Hindu or the Muslim or the Sikh, and bringing them to faith in Christ and baptism and, you know, incorporation within the Roman Catholic Church? And they, they will hum and haw and deny that. So uh, most people I have spoken to uh, are you know, priests who are enthusiastic about the synod. They said there's a lot of positive things. I was talking to a priest last night. So I said, what is positive? Give me one example. Let's nail this down. And he said, well, uh, priests and nuns are, we are told that priests and nuns are going to be included. And I said, what are, what do you mean by inclusion? I mean, why, why even use such a word like inclusion when we have the, a non-biblical, non-Christian word, a leftist word, when we have the greatest word given to us, agape love, in the Holy Scriptures? And I said, uh, Father, have you felt excluded from the church all this time? Uh, I asked him if nuns from the country he comes from who are campaigning for women's ordination. I mm. said, so these sisters say they, are, they have felt excluded because they, they have not been ordained. Uh, they want to be ordained. Do you think the synod is going to listen to them and ordain them as priests? And he, he did not have a response. So if it were a synod directed at the fact that the church is hemorrhaging, that in many Western nations, we have the, the, the church is a geriatric society, except for these small pockets of traditional Latin mass movements, maybe. And if the goal was evangelization, I would say, go for it. I'm all with you. But as Adrian just pointed out, you this kind of vague language that is coming, it's not evangelization. It's listening, dialogue, discernment. But to what goal? Mm -hmm. I found the quote in here uh, from the Holy Father at the opening of the synodal process. He says, quote, the spirit asks us to listen to the world, 
to the challenges and changes that it sets before us. Let us not soundproof our hearts. Let us not remain barricaded in our certainties. Um, and it, it is, uh, strikes me as kind of humorous because the Holy Father is always talking about, and even at the Synod, he's mentioned about uh, the problem of clericalism. And so he says, uh, the idea here is, oh, well, clericalism is bad, so we clerics are going to impose our ideas from the Synod yeah. onto the people. Uh, could you comment on that? Well, uh, to be fair to him, he would say that the Synod is also listening to lay people. In fact, the Synod is particularly listening to lay people, he would say. And uh, one of the, the Synod handbook says we must even listen to lapsed Catholics, atheists, and people of other faiths. Now, the problem with what he said, and I've been fair to him, but the problem with his business about listening to people, I reported this in my story on Sunday, I think, the two inaugural days of the Synod, the first Saturday of Reflection and the Sunday where he had his inaugural loss on these two days, over 100,000 Italians, many of them baptized Catholics, a good number of them baptized Catholics, were vociferously demonstrating a stone's throw away from the Vatican mm -hmm. against the medical tyranny. And Pope Francis said not a word. In fact, he's taken the side of the establishment the, the side of big pharma, the side of globalists who, you know, uh, where is this preferential option for the poor and listening to the lady in this case. So again, these are buzzwords, uh, management speak, if I'm, or yeah. mere management speak in the church, that, that mean absolutely nothing. It's yeah. going to be, the whole thing is going to be engineered by a very small group of people. Conclusions, I'm told, have already been reached and <laughs> two years from now, we are going to give people the impression that we have listened when we actually haven't. Wow. Well, there you go. You know, he even said in his radio interview earlier uh, this year that uh, when he was a layman, he loved to tell the, the the bishops what's up. Well, please listen, Holy Father, we're trying to tell you what's up. Dr. Jules Gomez, thank you for your time today. We're very grateful. God bless you. God love you. And have a great day. We're going to go to break. We're going to be all right back. Michael Hitchhorn's coming up next. So, it's Ash Wednesday. You just got sloshed with ashes, and you have to go to the grocery store. Worried everyone is going to be staring and thinking, I wonder if that guy knows he has dirt on his forehead. If so, fear no more. Here's a few ways to respond to the befuddled looks. You can start by laughing with them. Weird, huh? And then you can explain, today begins a special season for Christians when we focus on the fact that we're going to die hence the ashes, and that we need to turn away from sin and get right with God. You then might share how in ancient times, ashes were used to express sorrow for sin. The visible sign represents our interior conversion. So with a few responses like these in your quiver, there's no need for awkwardness. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean, and this is your headline news. 
CBN reports, Israel's foreign minister warns Washington, Iran is becoming a nuclear threshold state. Israeli Foreign Minister uh, Yir Lapid met with White House leaders on Tuesday during his first official visit to Washington and urged them to act against Iran's nuclear program. Quote, it's true that the center of our visit is the Iranian nuclear program, unquote, Lapid told reporters before speaking privately with Vice President Kamala Harris. Israeli leaders and the Biden administration agree on most issues regarding Israel's security, but disagree on how to tackle the growing Iranian threat. The U.S. argues that while the 2015 Iranian nuclear deal isn't perfect, it's the best tool they have to stop Iran from developing a nuclear bomb. But Biden says he wants to return to the deal and make it longer and stronger and use it as a basis to address broader issues with Tehran, including Iran's use of ballistic missiles. Whereas Israel argues that if the U.S. re-enters the agreement in its current version, Iran will simply wait until the deal's limits on its nuclear program expire before ramping up its development of a weapon. Because of this, Israel believes Iran has no incentive to sign a longer and stronger nuclear deal. Epic Times reports defying Texas governor, Southwest and American Airlines stand by Biden's vaccine mandate. American Airlines and Southwest Airlines announced on Tuesday that they would follow President Joe Biden's executive order requiring that employees be vaccinated against COVID-19 by December the 8th, defying Texas Governor Greg Abbott's executive order blocking mandates by any entity in the state. The companies, both based in Texas, argue that Biden's mandate supersedes Abbott's, which was issued on October the 11th. The Republican governor said in a statement upon issuing his executive order that the COVID-19 vaccine should, quote, remain voluntary and never be forced, unquote. Abbott has called Biden's executive order, quote, an assault on private businesses, unquote, and previously said that the state is working to halt this, quote, power grab, unquote. More than a dozen states have resisted the president's mandate, which, by the way, has yet to be issued through OSHA. Stars and Stripes is reporting. Marine, who criticized handling of Afghanistan withdrawal in viral video, will plead guilty, seeks favorable discharge. Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller is scheduled for court-martial at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina on Thursday and faces charges that include disrespect towards superior commissioned officers, willfully disobeying a superior commissioned officer, and dereliction in the performance of his duties. He burst into public view in August when, the, in the immediate aftermath of a suicide bombing that killed 13 U.S. service members and about 170 Afghans, he posted a viral video while in uniform questioning why no senior leader had admitted making mistakes and how the withdrawal was carried out. One of Scheller's attorneys, Tim Paralatore, said in the phone interview that the case began with Scheller demanding accountability from others, and it would, quote, make him a hypocrite, unquote, if the Marine did not accept responsibility for his own actions. Still the only member of the military to go to, go to the brig over the Afghan withdrawal. The Daily Wire reports a coroner says Gabby Petito died of strangulation, 
reveals new details about the case. It was also revealed that Petito's body had been outside for three or four weeks before discovery, according to Oil City News. The young woman's body was found on September the 29th in Grand Tito National Park, located in Wyoming, and the search for her former fiancé, Brian Laundrie, continues to this day. And those are your headline news for today. Joining us via Zoom chat is Michael Hitchborn. He is uh, with the Lepanto Institute with a brand new uh, report out, Vatican Agency Directly Tied to Communism, Abortion, and Idolatry. What is going on here? Good morning to you, uh, Michael Hitchborn. Good morning, Joe. Good to hear you. Praise be to God. It's, uh, I'm glad to have you with us today or back on the program. Uh, this is a, 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 an incredible report. I went through it a couple of times um, tell us, what is the situation here? This is an organization that's managed by, directly by the Vatican itself? Yes. Uh, Caritas Internationalis is a Vatican agency. It's the umbrella organization that is in charge of Catholic Relief Services, Catholic Charities USA, in Canada, Development and Peace. Uh, in Europe, we've got KFOD. In Ireland, you've got Troker. So all of these various international aid and development agencies belong to Caritas Internationalis. And the problem is that Caritas is on the governing body called the International Council of an international communist organization called the World Social Forum. Mm. Uh, and when I say that it was a communist organization, I'm not being uh, flippant or, or uh, hyperbolic. I mean, hyperbolic. I, I mean, literally, these people parade through the streets with hammer and sickle flags and banners of Karl Marx. They are literally a communist organization. They were formed by local communist organizations in Brazil in 2001. So it's they're thoroughly communist. Um, the other problem is that the World Social Forum is out there actively promoting abortion, uh, homosexuality. Uh, and we have found just recently that they have veneration of the Pachamama, and uh, they, they've been promoting the Pachamama and this weird Pachamama uh, earth worship stuff with, with regard to their, uh, uh, their environmental programs and their push for what they call eco-socialism. So when you have a Vatican agency sitting on the governing body of this entity and this entity is pushing the Pachamama, should it really be such a surprise for us that such a thing was venerated in the Vatican? That is troubling at best. I don't even know what to begin to say. Uh, for an organization at the Vatican uh, to be cooperating and or promoting um, this, these types of things, abortion, Pachimama, the transgender uh, gay ideologies, is it, is it a case where the people at the Vatican or this organization that are managed by the Vatican, the Vatican overseers just don't know? They're just not maybe they're complacent in management and then they just don't know what their this organization is up to they haven't checked in they haven't uh, held them accountable they haven't paid any attention to any of this they just trust in goodwill that they're out there doing good things uh according to church teaching and and charity itself i wish that was the case but i personally met with cor unum which is the it had been the vatican agency under which caritas fell i met with them personally in 2014 to bring much of this information to their attention. I brought them the, the information that I had at that time, and I showed them everything that we had about Caritas and, and uh, uh, CIDSE and, and the um, World Social Forum and the push for communism and abortion. And I, you know, at the time, it was um, Cardinal Sara who was in charge of Corunum. 
And I didn't meet with Cardinal Sara personally. I met with his secretary, but his secretary told me, look, Cardinal Sara is very, very interested in this information. He desperately wants to see all of this. Uh, he's, so he promised he would be giving it to him. And within just a few months after my presentation of this information in, in the Vatican, um, Cardinal Sara just abruptly got removed from Corunum and put in a different dicastery. Wow. You know, one thing that I was wondering about is, you know, people, we, we see this and I'm, we're seeing, okay, this is crazy, Carrie Toss. This is Rome, though. And a lot of these, uh, we have a lot of Catholic institutions in the United States. A lot of them run by the USCCB or associated with the USCCB. Is this an issue for us here in the States? Or is this just, okay, well, let's just not give money to Peter's Pence. Uh, or was this a situation that is trickled down all the way to uh, my local diocese? You know, that's actually a great question because what we noticed is when I first started investigating the World Social Forum and Caritas's involvement, I started that investigation back in 2010. And as I was, as I was going through the information and watching as things unfolded, what we noticed was that whenever the World Social Forum kind of decided that, hey, you know, we kind of want to go with this theme this year, we would see that that was the theme with various uh, social justice groups throughout the world. Suddenly, the CCHD was very interested in immigration at the time that the World Social Forum was pushing immigration, or mm. suddenly uh, the Catholic Charities would, would start pushing uh, environmentalism right after the World Social Forum's major theme was environmentalism. So there seemed to be some sort of direction or decision that was made at the World Social Forum that then became the blanket push for all of these other uh, social justice groups within the Catholic Church. So it seems very much like there's something being trickled down through Caritas uh, that is decided at the World Social Forum. We're talking with Michael Hitchborn. He is with the Ponto Institute, and he's got a new uh, report out called Vatican Agency Directly Tied to Communism, Abortion, and Idolatry, which we've linked up on our social feeds, by the way. But you can find it at LepantoIn.org. That's LepantoIn.org. You can find it there as well. Uh, we're, we're up against a break here in a moment, but I, I find it incredibly um, astonishing at going through your report at the at the uh, sheer amount of evidence that you have discovered in the report. Can you speak to that? Sure. <laughs> to, to be perfectly honest, this is a very small sample of, of what we discovered. Uh, if we were to put everything that we had found into the report, it would have, it would have been a volume of, of <laughs> information. We went through dozens of hours of video alone, uh, pulling out just a few snippets to, sh to give examples of what we discovered. Mm. But, uh, Caritas's involvement is well documented. Uh, there are many other Catholic agencies that are participating in the World Social Forum too, like the Mary Knowles, and and uh, in the past we've seen uh, the Center of Concern, which is a Jesuit-run thing. Um, there are various others. Pax Christi was one that was very involved. Okay. So hold that thought. Hold that thought. Michael Hitchborn's our guest. We're going to go to a very quick break. We'll be right back. More. On this troubling report, lots to pray and fast for, eh? We have a lot to pray and fast for, but there's more information coming up on the other side of this break. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Tell a friend in the meantime. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever noticed that the world associates fanaticism with religion? But G.K. Chesterton says that the strangest fanaticism that fills our time 
is the fanatical hatred of morality, especially of Christian morality. It is the irreligious who are fanatical in their hatred of religion. They hate religion because religion is the only basis for morality. They hate morality because it is clear. And they prefer things to be vague, vague to the point where they can call wrongs rights. But we cannot call something a right when it defies God's laws. We can only call it a sin because all rights come from God and God is not going to break his own laws. Neither should we. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Praise be to God. I'm uh, Joe McClain, your host. It's good to be on with you. Michael Hitchborn is our guest. Real quick, by the way, I forgot. Uh, Michael Hitchborn was one of the, the keynote speakers at last year's Men's March in D.C. This year, it's going to be in Baltimore, and I get to attend, so I'm looking forward to that. Praise be to God. Are you going to be there, Michael, this year? I absolutely will. Well, yeah. I'll, look, I'll be hanging out with you. Praise be to God. Uh, we, we just won't tell anybody, okay? That's what's going to go <laughs> right. down. Man, no one you don't want to be seen with me in public. <laughs> well, I was thinking the other way around, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at any rate, we're talking about this report that you have put out, Lepanto Institute, LepantoIN.org, on this Vatican agency. And, you know, again, I keep going back to this thought of, golly, you is. If ma- imagine if, as a dad in my home, there was a child doing some crazy thing in my home, and and I just turned the other cheek, and or I just simply was totally oblivious to, you know, like the the kid playing the Ouija board or something in the room, and I didn't know. I mean, it would blow my mind that this was going on. Um, I, 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 explain this to me one more time. How how is this possible that the cardinals, the bishops, those in charge of our curia? Uh, are they just oblivious? Do they just do they go along with this? I mean, how could this even be possible? I don't. I don't think that they're oblivious. I mean, when you look at what has been happening in our church and kind of the revelations that have been taking place over the last five years alone, you know, you've got that uh, that big event that took place in in uh, one of the Vatican apartments where <laughs> Cardinal Coco Palmario, yeah, the party, well, you know. I, the uh, the drug fueled gay orgy that took place. By there. the way, uh, real quick on that thought before you move on, 2014, a Frontline Edition. We're talking PBS here, not Infowars or even Church Militant. Frontline Edition by PBS had undercover video of parties exactly like that happening in, in Vatican apartments. Yeah, I remember that specifically. So you, you look at what what kind of uh, activities are taking place just among the personnel of the Curia. Uh, it's not a stretch to say that they're going to be in line with a lot of these uh, Marxist entities. You know, the there when when you have homosexuality, it is never far removed from the occult. Yeah, hmm. which is crazy. Yes, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> this is yeah. There's so much 
so many things going on here and i highly recommend people to check out on your youtube channel the two videos the one video you did breaking down the actual document that you did on your youtube channel Laponto institute and the other video i believe is an hour long i think it was the anchor and you uh talked about this as well as other topics and i thought it was amazing and in that you had mentioned a the fact that the the enemies of the church hate the church mystically but they love the church institutionally because they right. have the infrastructure to be able to take their ideas. And this goes back to what we said in the last segment, uh, to get their ideas around the world, their infrastructure, their people, boots on the ground all over the world quickly um, and everywhere. Uh, could you speak on that? Sure. We have to remember the devil is the ape of the church. He, he, he can't create something new. He can only imitate what God does. So what did God do when when he instituted the church. Well, he instituted the church after Rome had built roads to all of the known world at that time. And having built those roads, it facilitated the spread of Christianity in a way that couldn't have happened had Rome not built those roads. Well, the devil, in imitating what what God had done, is looking at the institutional church as having built charitable roads or financial roads or influential roads throughout the world. So, as a cultural influence, the church is unmatched. So what the devil wants to do is to create an edifice on the outside of the actual church and start promoting ideologies that sound Catholic-ish, but in fact are really and truly the the Luciferian ideals of masonry and uh, implement those through the institutional church. And and that's the way that the, the devil is going to mimic what what Christ had done when he instituted the church herself. What about the local bishops where like the, the these dem- the, the parades, the demonstrations with the hammer and sickle flags and the abortion flyers and and all of the rest, uh, where are the local bishops? Why aren't they speaking out against this uh Vatican funded or and organized uh revolution almost? Well, there there are only three real possibilities. One, they're afraid to speak out. Two, they don't know or three they believe in it. So if, if, uh, two of two out of three are really bad. <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I don't say. know which is which, but the other thing that really strikes me about this and going through the video, uh, where you detail the evidence, at least you give a sampling of the evidence in the video, I would say is well worth the time. If you don't want to read the report itself, which again, you can find at Lepanto, org. um, it is it, it is very striking how out and out they are. They're not hiding in shadows here. They're not pretending to be one thing and not another. They're just like going for it, the full board. It seems rather bold to me. What what say you? Well, it is bold, but I also think that that's because the devil knows that its time is short. Um, the fact of the matter is, the devil can see Our Lady's heel coming down to crush its head, and uh, we can't see it. And so, what's the devil going to do? He's going to try and make everything look as bleak as possible in order to drive us to despair. But the darker things get, the closer we know that we are to victory. And that's it's the case replete throughout the history of the church. So I, I don't look at the, the encroaching darkness and the, the controls that the enemies have gotten over the institutional church as something bad so much as the closer it gets to impossibility for man to prevail over these kinds of things mm. – the closer we are to Our Lady's triumph of the Immaculate Heart. Can I ask a dumb question real quick? Uh, <laughs> sure. 
it, we've all heard of the World Economic Forum and Klaus mm-hmm. Schwab. You know, he lacks only one thing, a hairless cat on his lap, you know. Exactly. Uh, it's like it's so stereotypical, but it's like it's not my fault. That's just who he is. Uh, is, <laughs> is there any link between the World Economic Forum and the World Social Forum? Are there any link here? So the World Social Forum was set up specifically as a counter to the World Economic Forum. So the World Economic Forum is supposed to be this big capitalist meeting where they're talking about how to use their capital in order to spread certain ideologies around the world. And the World Social Forum was set up as this big anti-capitalist thing, this this communist thing <clears throat> to counter the World Economic Forum. Now, what's interesting is that the two sides, you have to remember, this is all part of the Hegelian dialectic, which is synthesis plus antithesis or, or Thesis plus antithesis equals synthesis. They're, they're looking for a revision that doesn't go to one or the other extreme. The World Economic Forum is pushing for the Great Reset. The World Social Forum, we've discovered, is pushing for something they call the Great Transition. They're the same thing. Mm. And what's fascinating about this is that we have uh, Caritas Internationalis and Vatican representation in the World Economic or World Social Forum front. And then on the other side, we've got Pope Francis and several of the uh, various cardinals in the dicastery promoting the World Economic Forum and supporting them in their Great Reset push. So it all kind of comes together in this squishy center, which really is the destruction of the middle class, the destruction of the family, and the destruction of the faith. So we have about three minutes left in the conversation, and I would be upset if we uh, forget, as we normally do, your suggestions, who do we donate to and who do we not donate to in this situation? Uh, the, I know you have a list in your, on your website of uh, or different charitable organizations that are not doing things that are wicked, uh, that are contrary to the faith. And then you have some that are, that are. Give us a quick, brief overview. What can we or what should we or what should we not? So if you go to our website, lepantoin.org, that's L-E-P-A-N-T-O-I-N.org, uh, we have a charity reports list. It's at the menu bar at the top. You just click charity reports, and you can see where we give it a grade of safe or not safe. And if you click the, the link, the name of the organization, you'll be able to see either our report that shows that the organization is safe, or you'll, go, you'll be given a link directly to the organization itself. Uh, we have over 80 organizations now on our list uh, showing that, like, uh, Care International is not safe, Caritas Internationalis is not safe, Campaign for Human Development is not safe, but then organizations like Catholics Come Home is safe or Cross-Catholic Outreach is safe. So you'll be able to see uh, which ones we do recommend and which ones we have found serious problems with. Yeah, I was just thinking about, uh, I was talking about Klaus Schwab. I was thinking about that video that came out back in August of him referring to the Brazilian Archbishop Helder Camara as being too communist for the World Economic Forum to, to tolerate, you know, but he was able to get him in anyway because his ideas were so good. Again, the, the, how on the nose all of this really is, is astounding to me. Uh, besides donating, prayer and fasting clearly, right, is the, one of the biggest things we can all do no matter the circumstances. Right. And and Our Lady did give us the blueprint for what she wants us to do. Pray the rosary daily, make the first five Saturdays of reparation. Uh, And and of course, you can't fight in the darkness. You have to have light to show exactly what it is you're fighting. You have to see your enemy. 
which is why we do these reports. It's why we put these reports together so people understand where the problems are and how to expose them. And you have to show them to your bishops. You have to show them to your priests. Demand answers uh, because if at the end of the day, these men have souls that are in great peril because they have a great responsibility to stand up against the encroaching darkness of the of the culture of death. So show these reports to your bishop. Show these reports to your priests. Pray for them because they won't have the grace to do the right thing uh, if they if you don't pray for them. So pray fast for the bishops and priests, but also show them the reports and demand answers. Wow. Well, praise be to God. We are getting down to it here uh, with uh, Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute on his brand new report out that is uh, just chocked full of the evidence to to show and demonstrate how 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 troubling this really is. Vatican agency directly tied to communism, abortion and idolatry over at LepantoIN.org. Check it out. Share it with a friend. Pray and fast, but maybe even consider sharing this with your local ordinary so that they're aware uh, about this incredible, incredible, troubling situation. Because uh, we have to take a stand. We have to do something uh, to, uh, to try to stem the tide of this communist revolution that's spreading its errors across the world. Pray fast and do penance and keep the uh, first Saturday uh, devotion as Our Lady Fatim has asked us. Michael Edgeborn, God bless you. God love you. Thank you for your time today. And hey, I'll see you in November. Yeah, God bless you. God bless your audience. All right. See you then. Praise be to God. That is going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Drive Time. Thank you all for joining us. We had some great conversation with Dr. Jules Gomez from Church Militant and Michael Hitchborn from Lepanto Institute. In the next hour, we'll have some good news for you. We'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel Day, and our game show, Fear and Trembling, with prizes at stake and you could win. Hang out with us live if you want at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. That's grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend asked me why Catholics have crucifixes in our churches. Don't we believe Jesus has risen? Why do we keep him on the cross? Well, first of all, you want to check out 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. Why does Paul preach Christ crucified? Doesn't he know Jesus has been raised from the dead? Well, of course he does. But he knows that it is through the power of the crucified Christ on the cross that the bonds of sin and death are broken. As he says in verse 24, Christ crucified is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 2. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Again, didn't Paul know that Jesus had risen from the dead? Well, of course he did. Paul preaches Christ crucified because an empty cross has no power. The cross that bears the beaten, battered, and bloodied body of Jesus Christ, however, that cross is the power of God. So we keep Jesus on the cross because we, too, preach Christ crucified. And the crucifix reminds us not only of God's power, but also his love for us, giving his only begotten son up for death and suffering. Also, here in this life, we do not share so much in the glory of the resurrection as we do in the suffering of Jesus on the cross. After all, we must take up our cross daily if we are to follow Jesus, as it says in Luke 9, verse 
23. And we must die with Christ in order to live with Him, as Romans 6, 8 tells us. Where did Christ die? On the cross. One other passage to keep in mind is Galatians 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? Did you catch that? Jesus was publicly portrayed before their eyes as being crucified. Sounds kind of like they may have been looking at a crucifix, doesn't it? A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to God. It is great to be on with you. God is so very good. It is, uh, it's Wednesday, right? So that's, that's a piece of good news for you, that it's already halfway towards your, your weekend. God is so good. Are you making plans already? Are you already thinking about what's on the agenda? I know I am. Uh, God is good. But we're going to have a great hour for you this hour. We just wrapped up some good conversation with Dr. Jules Gomez and uh, Michael Hitchborn in the last hour. We'll post both of those conversations to our social feeds. By the way, have I mentioned, I don't know if I've mentioned this, we are now posting to MeWe as well. I have, I have to link to it on our homepage. I, I, I owe you that. I'm going to add that to our homepage so that you can get access to our MeWe account. For those of you that are hanging out on MeWe, if you search for Catholic Drive Time, you'll probably find us there. I've also been posting my What's Concerning Us segments to another YouTube channel to sort of uh, avoid being totally deleted and censored by that platform and keep our content going. I'm also trying to get it up over on Rumble and, and uh, in Odyssey and other places as well. But you are going to find all the links to our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. So all the social feeds are there as well as all the live video feeds as well at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. It should be a good hour. I've got a piece of good news for you. Praise God. That's coming up next. And then, of course, we have our our uh, saint of the day. Uh, we have the gospel of the day. And then we'll maybe get a little reflection in. And then we play our game, Fear and Trembling. And prizes are at stake. And God is so very good. Because I think it's like a $50 value, our price pack this week, and you could win. But you have to be our caller to do it. So if you would like to hedge your bet a little bit, give yourself a slight advantage, go to the website, click on the Fear and Trembling Trivia Game Show link, get the phone number, call in early. Otherwise, you got to wait for me to give it to you. And I'll do that at 15 past the hour. So you can find everything on our website, grnonline.com forward slash C. DT. Speaking of uh, everything, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Everything. Mm-hmm. And are you saying, are you a pantheist now? You believe that, mm. that am, am I pan? I am mm. everything? 
Well, I didn't want to uh, publicly admit that you were. It's like those. It's like those you know. new uh, those ads for uh, for the NFL, and it was like football is, and then it just like listed like literally yeah. everything. Literally, <laughs> it was like if football is everything, then doesn't that mean it's nothing? <laughs> so there From you go. From your folks. lips to God's ears, Avery. So I think Joe anyway, just said, it's good to see you. Yeah. Anyway, it's good to be here, nonetheless. <laughs> nonetheless, even though I am uh, neither anything yet everything, uh, it is still good to be here. It is still good praise to be, be to God. Here. Yeah, God is very good. Uh, are you, I'm are, excited. Are you already planning your weekend? Oh yes, I got big plans. Big big plans. Hey, uh, I have to share them. It's this is a teaser. I got big big plans for this weekend. Big, so you're gonna have to be here plans. on Friday for me to tell you what's what's gonna ha- going down this weekend. <laughs> Yeah, huge, huge, uh, like, like like seven out of ten, All or right. maybe eight. Hey, Estella Watts hanging out with us this hey, morning. My Good grandma. morning. Good, Good morning, morning, Grandma. I haven't seen you in a while. Praise be to God. Glad you're hanging out with us on the live video feed over on YouTube. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna be hanging out with our audience uh, for the after show, which is, by the way, very casual experience. We I, we sit back, we relax, we allow you, the audience, to do drive the conversation and uh, whatever you want to talk about is on the agenda you're you can literally ask just about anything i can't think of a single question we haven't probably answered or or at least spoken about and if you refuse to give us direction then we speak of movies and food so there you Mm. go that comes up in the second half of this hour but what we're going to do now is we're going to pray for your intentions dear audience for the conversion of sinners around the world for restoration to holiness by every catholic and then uh, we're going to pray, and uh, we'll get into a piece of good news, saints of the day, and gospel of the day. Does that sound fair? Let's do it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now, a piece of good news. This is reported out of Defense One. Catholic troops can refuse COVID vaccine, Archbishop declares. Catholic U.S. troops should be allowed to refuse the COVID-19 vaccine based solely on conscientious objection and regardless of whether abortion-related tissue was used in its creation or testing. The Archbishop for the Military declared in a new statement supporting service members who are seeking religious exemptions. Quote, No one should be forced to receive a COVID-19 vaccine if it would violate the sanctity of his or her conscience, unquote, said Archbishop for the Military Services, Timothy Broglio, in a statement released on Tuesday. Broglio previously has supported President Joe Biden's mandatory vaccination order for U.S. troops, citing church's guidance that permits Catholics to receive even vaccines derived from fetal tissue when no other vaccine option is available. And there's the key, isn't it? In his statement, the Archbishop said that while he still encourages followers and troops to get vaccinated, some troops have questioned if the church's permission to get vaccinated outweighed their own conscious objections to it. That's a good question. It does not, according to Broglio, he wrote, while the Pope has deemed COVID-19 vaccines to be not sinful, Broglio emphasized the sanctity of conscience, unquote, 
if the vaccine violates the sanctity of an individual's conscience, they should not be forced to receive the vaccine. This deviates from previous statements from the archdiocese when Broglio encouraged troops to receive whatever vaccine became available. Those who refuse the COVID-19 vaccine must continue to act in charity for their neighbor and the common good by wearing masks, social distancing, and testing routinely, Broglio wrote in his letter. And once a treatment becomes available that is not derived from or tested with abortion-derived cell lines, he said troops should remain open to receiving it. And that is some good news in an era of confusion, so praise be to God for that. The saint of the day is Blessed Alexandrina Maria de Costa. She was born on the 30th of March, 1904. Hey, that's like nearly my birth, my sister's birthday, although not 1904. Uh, at Balasar Oporto, Portugal. She was a lay woman from the Diocese of Braga, Portugal. And at the age of 14, Alexandrina jumped from a window to escape her rapist or her would-be rapist. She was injured in the fall and was paralyzed and was bedridden for the rest of her life. She became a member of the Salesian cooperators and became a mystic and visionary. The last 13 years of her life, she had the gift of anedia, that is, living solely off of daily communion. She died on the 13th of October, 1955, at Palasar or Porto in Portugal of Natural Causes. She was beatified on the 25th of April, 2004, by John Paul II. Blessed Alexandrina Maria da Costa, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 11, verses 42 through 46. The Lord said, Woe to you, Pharisees! You pay tithes of mint and of rue and of every garden herb, but you pay no attention to judgment and to love for God. These you should have done without overlooking the others. Woe to you, Pharisees! You love the seat of honor in synagogues and greetings in marketplaces. Woe to you! You are like unseen graves over which people unknowingly walk. Then one of the scholars of the law said to him in reply, Teacher, by saying this you are insulting us too. And he said, Woe also to you, scholars of the law. You impose on people burdens hard to carry, but you, yourselves, do not lift one finger to touch them. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ambrose said, And like graves which appear not, they deceive by their outside beauty and by their look impose upon the passers-by. As it follows... And the men that walk over them are not aware of them, so much that in truth, though they give outward promise of what is beautiful, inwardly they enclose all manner of pollution. You know, last hour we talked about uh, how the Lord uses this imagery of the grave. Once in Matthew, as a white sepulcher, beautiful, marvelous, it stands out. Oh, look, it's beautiful. That must have been a powerful person in there. But inwardly, there's corruption. And then here in this passage in Luke's gospel, it is a grave that no one knows and they walk over it. Still the same principle applies. Inside the grave is corruption. And in the Jewish world, if they were to touch a grave, they become impure and they are unknowingly 
touching the grave of the corruption of the Pharisees and the, the scribes, and they are becoming impure, and they don't even know it. That is the danger in all of this that our Lord is pointing out. But I also want to reemphasize something I said last hour in this line, those you should have done without overlooking the others. We must be careful never to throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to uh, statements like this of the Lord, when he's chastising the Pharisees for their strictness of the law. Those you should have done without overlooking the others. You must also keep the law and be, have love for God and for neighbor and for justice itself. Adrian, what did you find? Uh, yes. Yeah, so let's see. The one, one verse that I want to point out is, then answered one of the lawyers, this is a different translation, then answered one of the lawyers and said to him, Master, thus saying you reproach us also? Now, this is uh, this one verse is, is very, very profound. Cornus Lapide quotes, uh, here's a quote from Cornus Lapide on this verse, yet even now the wicked, when a preacher attacks vices, when they are conscious of committing, think themselves aggrieved and persecute the man who warns them of their sin. This is incredibly profound. Let me read that last part again. Though the, even though the wicked now, today, the wicked today, when a preacher, when a priest or a preacher or someone comes to them and they attack the vices, not the man, they attack the vices that they have, the vices that they are conscious of committing. So if you're, if, if let me do, paint this picture for you. There's a person who recognizes the vices they have. They understand that they are committing vices. And a preacher comes to them and shows them the vices and attacks the vices, doesn't attack the man, attacks the vices. They immediately think themselves aggrieved and persecute the man who warns them of their sin. How often do we see this? How often do we hear a good and holy priest who is preaching the truth? And yet what happens? Instead of people being grateful for the truth being spoken, people are angered. Why? Because they are convicting their souls. They are recognizing the wickedness that is happening and they know that they are wicked. And so because of this, they reject it. And so here's a quote from Venerable Bede. And what a grievous state is that conscience, which hearing the word of God thinks it a reproach against itself. And in the account of the punishment of the wicked, precedes its own condemnation. What is being said here? It is being said here that we understand when we are wicked and we understand our sin, we understand that we are condemned. Because remember, what does it take to go to hell? One mortal sin. Remember, our Lord said the road to heaven is narrow and few people travel on it. What is important to note there is he doesn't even say that many people enter through the narrow gate. He said few people travel on the road to the narrow gate. This is very, very profound. So when we hear ourselves convicted, when we hear the word of God, when the word of God is preached to us, when our vices are attacked, we need to flee not away from the preacher, but flee towards Christ, away from sin, turn away from our sin and love God above all things. And last thing I want to point out, that Charles Borromeo, not Charles Borromeo, uh, St. John Bosco, he said, the cures to sin are a few things. One, confession. Two, the Holy Eucharist. Three, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Four, mental prayer, meditating on religious truths. And lastly, reading good spiritual books. Keep those five things in mind. And our St. John Bosco in his vision said that you will be saved. Amen. Praise be to God. All right. It is time for us to play our game, Fear 
and trembling, but we need a contestant on the phone. So would you consider being our contestant? You don't know to need to know the answers to win our game. It's that easy. All you do need to do is pick up a phone and dial 877-757-9424. If you're first caller, you get to be the contestant. If you haven't played in a long time, we'll call back. You get another chance. But if you've never played, what an opportunity. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424 We'll be right back. Call now. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10-11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2.10-11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children develop the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show, where we have a secret and hidden agenda. Uh, but we need a phone uh, to light up right now and give us a caller at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. First caller gets to be the contestant at 877-757-9424 is the number. Now, here is the deal on the game show. We have three Catholic trivia questions, uh, but you don't need to know the answers to win our game. I do not ask the caller the question. Instead, I will ask Janice and I will ask Adrian. One of them will be right and the other 
will be wrong. The caller will have then 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more, Janice or Adrian? And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. That phone number again is wide open. So anybody who calls right now gets to be that contestant at 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. So hopefully the phone lines are working. If not, then we'll play the game and I will decide who gets to uh, go into the coffee cup of divine providence. But see, here's the deal. Okay, just keep this between us. But there are a few things I like to do uh, secretly. I don't tell anybody this, so keep this between us. But number one, we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions. And you might learn something, and that's a good thing. We also like to have a good time with our our guests, and uh, they tend to be really good sports. They laugh with us, and we enjoy that quite a bit. And then, of course, we give out prizes, which makes it a winner for everybody involved. Speaking of which, Janice, uh, tell us, what could they win this week? Yeah, this week, if you enter, if you call in for the prize, uh, we are giving away Blessed Friends Forever, which is a family-owned uh, business here in Sugarland. They're giving away a Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary pillow dolls. So if you have a child who um, is at home or you have a grandchild or a goddaughter, a godson, a $50 value pillow doll of the Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary uh, image. And so uh, what's great about this is that um, they're giving away um, these are custom prints of two Catholic dolls. Um, again, Sacred Heart of Jesus and Immaculate Heart of Mary. Uh, their Etsy shop is Blessed Friends Forever, and they're uh, giving away a $50 value prize. Wow. Well, praise be to God. Well, thank you for that. We're very, very grateful. And also, the, the several people who called in, praise be to God. Thank you. If you don't get on today, try again tomorrow. You'll have another chance. But let's go to the phones. Mary, good morning to you. Thanks for calling in to uh, Fear and Trembling. Hey. Good morning, Mary. Where are you I, from? Good morning. I'm calling from San Antonio, Texas. San Antonio, Texas. Praise be to God. We get a, a lot of great callers from uh, the great city of San Antonio, Texas. Where do you go to church? Uh, Our Lady of Atonement. Our Lady of Atonement. Well, I've been there one time, only one time. I was going to go back this weekend. It didn't work out for me, but uh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah, you're very blessed. Um, have you been listening to the game? Do you know how the rules work and how the game is played? I I do, and I say we do because it was really my my uh, four kids that wanted me to call in. <laughs> Praise be to God. Grabbing and, my phone every morning, and they want to say hi really quick. Say hi, guys. Sure. Hello, howdy, children howdy. of the atonement. Uh, where are you guys off to today? School, I guess? We are off to school. It's our morning drive-in. Wonderful. Awesome. And where do they go to school? Just curious. Great hearts. Are nice. you saying that this is your Catholic drive time? This is your Catholic drive time for sure. Praise be to God. <laughs> All right, kids. Are you guys ready to play the game? Yeah. Are you guys going to like uh, whisper into mom's ear all the correct answers so she can win? Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. All right. And I'm looking at this and I, I there's got there's mm, there's only really one question I think that might be tricky to be honest with you. Uh-oh. Um but let's just try it out. We're going to go to Janice as is our custom first. Janice, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes, 100%. Are you sure? 
I, I hope so. Janice, can you tell me, what is the term for the territory governed by an archbishop? That would have to be a diocese. Really? Hmm. So if, if it's governed by an archbishop, it's a diocese. A diocese. Okay, okay. Let's just uh, try to get a second opinion here. Adrian, can you tell me, what is the term for the territory governed by an archbishop? Yes, so that would be, I mean, hypothetically speaking, if you're in the Archdiocese of Galveston, Houston, you have an archbishop. Mm-hmm, if you're in the Archdiocese mm-hmm. Of San Antonio, mm-hmm. you'd be Archbishop of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of that kind of idea. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to say Archdiocese. Archdiocese. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. Well, here's the deal, Mary. Uh, Adrian seems to think it's an Archdiocese, whereas Janice says it's a diocese. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary and the kids. What say you? We're going to go with uh, Adrian. Are you <laughs> Nailed it. Easy peasy. Wow. Uh, Adrian, yeah. did you slip there on the button? That was a little fast, don't you think? No, I mean, not at all. Like, you didn't even let me re- like, uh, like uh, respond or anything. No, but. they got it. They got it. They knew this answer. Mary, do you feel at all any uh, awkwardness uh, admitting that Adrian was right publicly? Not at all. I'll speak for them. I did. I did have a moment where I realized. No, Amen. my first time on the show, I'm gonna have to say Adrian. Oh my gosh! Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad Ouch. I'm not the only one Ouch. who has to pause and go. Am I really gonna say this out loud? Really? Adrian is right. Wow, <laughs> you are in fact correct. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence. Praise be to God. Uh, well, let's see if we can't double your chances. And I think this next question is fairly straightforward and easy. Mm. But let's see how it goes. All right, uh, Adrian. Uh-oh. What is the term for Holy Communion given to those in danger of death? That would be Holy Viaticum, which Viaticum? is via, meaning like the road. Okay. So okay. that's it's food for the journey. Food for the journey. Because mm-hmm. it's food for the journey like from that. this life to I the like next. That. That's good. That's good. But Holy for- Viaticum is, is okay. the uh, answer. Well, let's just hold off on judgment first. Okay. That's up to Mary and the kids. Uh, uh, Janice. Can you tell me, what is the term for Holy Communion given to those in danger of death? That would have to be Holy Unction. Unction. Huh. These fancy yeah. terms you throw out there. Holy Unction. Yeah, because you're blessing, the, you're blessing the, di- the, the person that's in danger of death. I see. I see. Mm. Okay. Hmm. Mary and the kids, here is the deal. Janice seems to think it is Holy Unction. That is the term for Holy Communion given to those in danger of dying. Versus Adrian says it's via to come. 15 seconds on the clock. Cool. It's a cum or come? Cum. Cum. Via to cum. Uh, Adrian says 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary and the kids in San Antonio. What say you? Oh, wow. I didn't know there was a special name for it. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to go with Adrian. Again? Again? Wow. I, I, wow. Oh, wow. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. This is amazing. I, Praise be to God. I, I'm feeling an agenda going on here. Yeah. Mm. I'm seeing that. I'm seeing a, 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 a line that's running through here. But yeah. yes, Holy Viaticum is um, 
the food for the journey literally refers to the food for the yeah. journey because you yeah. receive it on your journey from this life yeah. unto the next. Yeah. yeah. I just had the the strangest thought. Uh, Mary, do you ever sing Mary Had Her Little Lambs as you take your kids to school? I'm just curious. Has it ever come oh. up? <laughs> no? Had Her Little Lambs? No. no? I, I haven't, but I think I, I will in the future. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Th- this third question, mm, it is a little tricky. Are you kids ready? Yeah! All right. This is a tricky one, so you got to listen very carefully. We go back to Janice on this one. Janice, who was the last non-Italian pope before John Paul II? So prior to JP II, who was the last non-Italian pope? So uh, a lot of people don't know this, but John Paul um, actually got his name from John Paul the First. Okay. So it would it's uh, so John Paul the First was. The, the former one. Okay, we're, run, we're running out of time here. So your answer is JP1 is, is your answer. Okay. Adrian, who was the last non-Italian Pope before was, John Paul II? Easy, Pope Adrian VI. <laughs> easy? <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, I think obviously. he's canonizing himself. Uh, yeah, well, no, that, would be, that would be Pope Adrian VII. Okay. All right. So here's <laughs> the deal, Mary. We're, we're short on time. Uh, Adrian says the answer is Pope Adrian the Sixth of Utrecht versus Janice says it was John Paul the First, and I don't remember where he's from. Uh, Fifteen seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Mary and the kids. What say you? I am afraid we're going to have to go with Adrian one last time. I am afraid as well. But Did you hear still that? right. Whoa. <laughs> Adrian, four times today. <laughs> Mary and the kids, well done. You have a perfect score. Praise be to God. You are going in the coffee cup three times. Yay. You guys were amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making mom call in. That was fun. Praise be to God. Have a great day at school, guys. Enjoy your time today. Learn something cool. And uh, tell your friends, you know, the last non-Italian pope before JP2 was Pope Adrian VI of Utrecht. Blow their minds. But uh, we're going to put you on hold so we get your phone number. But thank you again for playing our game. Thank you. That is going to do it for the radio side. Join us off air on our live video feeds. Go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and the after show where we get mm, a lot more casual about our conversation and you get to drive that conversation with whatever you want to talk about. The way this works is all you got to do is comment. And if you've never commented before, can I encourage you to, to consider a comment today? Be our first time commenter and we will love it, lavish extra love upon you. Uh, no matter what. But Adrian is, uh, uh, Janice is not in today. Good morning to you, Janice. She's uh, hanging out from home. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. Praise yes. be to God. Well, I, I woke up with a 
sore throat this morning and every time I swallow, you can feel the, um, or I can feel the, your tonsils like the are swollen. Yeah. So yeah. Stay home. I'm going to go get some fun later today. <laughs> yeah. Uh, probably just allergies though. It's Houston. It's kind of common. Um, do you still have tonsils or do they remove them? Is that a thing anymore? Back in my day, they, like, do you, do you have a slight temp? Okay. Let's chop out your tonsils. Like that was like the reaction when I was a kid. I've never heard of that. Before, really? Actually. Well, that's good. Yeah. I'm glad they're not chopping people's tonsils out arbitrarily anymore. They used to all the time. <laughs> I am a, one of the few who survived. If you're my age or close, do you have your tonsils? Raise your hand. I want to know. Let it, let me know. Praise be to God. Um, so we are going to, uh, just real quick, since Adrian is totally distracted by talking with Mary and the kids, getting her information in case it be God's will that she should win, this gives me a chance to... The horns of the apocalypse. Is it just me, or have you also noticed that he has refrained, he has failed to deliver the horns of the apocalypse in quite a while now? So uh, let's take that opportunity to do that. Madeline 7, praise be to God, buenos tardes uh, from uh, Spain. That is awesome. Uh, God is so very good. Uh, Madeline, I don't know if you're still listening because it's probably late there, but uh, no, they're only, what time is it? Uh, they're only six hours ahead, so it's early afternoon still. Madeline, thank you for hanging out today. We appreciate the fact that you are a first-time caller and commenter. Yay and amen. Hallelujah, Madeline. Thank you for your generous uh, hanging out with us today. Are you sure she's a first-time commenter? Madeline 7? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she's been here before, right? Did she say she was a first-time commenter? No, she didn't. But oh, yeah. She she's deserves a, it nonetheless. She was uh, here a number of times. Really? Mm -hmm. so, From Spain. And I believe it's 2 o'clock in Spain right now. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like six hours ahead, right? Seven, if I'm not mistaken. Because I think it's the same as Rome time when I was okay. just talking to Dr. Okay. Jules. Okay. Well... If you've been here before, Madeline, I'm sorry. <laughs> you still deserve a hallelujah for that anyway. Tammy, good morning to you. Clarissa, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Colin, it's good to see you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Jeff Burrier and the Burrier family, it's good to see you. Becky, good morning. And Estella, of course, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Mary Barone, good morning. Who else is on? Uh, Colin says he's still got his tonsils. That's awesome. What are tonsils? <laughs> just kidding. I have I have my tonsils. Uh, well, we were just talking about how back in our day, I guess me and Colin, um, they used to cut our tonsils out for no, no reason. apparent reason. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> now, apparently, that's now over with. So you're welcome. You're welcome. Clarissa says hers like, are out. Just, it's like, chop them out. Chop them out. Eh, it's it, Tuesday. It's, it's possible that it's the uh, tonsils fault. Let's just cut them out. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You never know. Uh, Glenn had his chopped out at five years old. Like, what in the world does a five-year-old need with tonsils? That's how I feel whenever they're like, you need to get your wisdom teeth removed. And I'm like, do I really? <laughs> right. Like, why? Didn't God give me those? Like, the appendix. Like, doctors will say, oh, the appendix doesn't do anything. I doubt that God made, uh, like, a uh, an organ that doesn't do anything. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not on board with that. Yeah, me neither. Seems kind of <laughs> kind of wild. Buddy lost his tonsils too. My sister had her appendix removed. It, it ruptured in the middle of the living room. It was great. Really? My oh, so that was kind of a scary thing. My daughter Mary Elizabeth, her appendix um, was on the verge of rupturing. She was all bent over, and and we were freaking out as parents, and we did not know. And we took her to the ER, and there, and they they ambulanced her downtown. And we're following her, and we're like, oh, my heavens. We're parents. We're freaked out by this. 
And she's going into, you know, pre-op and getting ready to go through the appendix, what do you call it? Appendectomy surgery. And she was begging us not to let her go through it, not to let them do the surgery on her. She begged us. And it it was so heart-wrenching. The doctor was like, I have to do another surgery. you got to get her to settle down like right now. And he was like really annoyed that this little girl didn't want to do the surgery. And I'm like, I'm sure you've done 4 million of these things. We've never done one. Give us a moment. <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm pretty sure his Porsche 911 was out in the garage with a, with a license plate that says Appendix Master or something like that. <laughs> you know, I don't know what it said, but golly gee whiz, that's all this doctor ever did was cut out people's appendixes. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't do anything else. That's all he ever did was line them up and cut them out. And that's his only job. Just like gallbladders, too. Same thing. Line them up, cut them out. They don't do any other work. That's all they do. Josh Patterson said, um, my wisdom teeth have wrong. Uh, so I got mine taken out because I was snoring badly at four years old. Josh, <laughs> what, what has changed? <laughs> <laughs> I wake up. I was walking by your, your room this morning as I'm walking out the door. And I'm like, holy moly. Is that, is that Josh or is there a bear in there? going on in there. <laughs> 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 yeah. I was like, oh, my goodness. So there you go, Josh. Uh, I guess they removed him for no reason. He is a th- Thumbs up. <laughs> anyway, Denise, I, I, you're saying something. Yeah, I didn't know that um, that uh, wisdom teeth were connected to sore throats or to um, to snoring. That is oh no, 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 he's talking about his tonsils. <laughs> yeah. Oh, his tonsils. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, like uh, the poor wisdom teeth. What have they done now? Good grief. I think I like Lori's comment. She said, uh, "She goes, I still have my tonsils, but no wisdom." Oh no, but Josh no was talking about his wisdom teeth. Uh, he says my wisdom teeth haven't emerged, and I'm 24. Oh no, yeah, never see, he's mind. Not talking about my it. bad. Yeah. My yeah, tonsils. So how do we get off into tonsils and wisdom teeth? I have no idea. I got over here, and you're talking about this, and I'm like, <laughs> what did the heck? Okay, uh, <laughs> real quick, uh, let's go backwards a little bit. Um, some people had questions. I'm going to search for them. There's questions during the show. If you can repeat your question, that would be ideal. Otherwise, I'm going to start searching for them. See if we can find them. Let's uh, let's recognize some folks over on Facebook. Buddy K9, good morning to you, Patty. Praise be to God. Ubi, good to see you again. Uh, June Yabara, praise be to God. I agree with June. She says we need to pray and fast for Pope Francis's conversion, as we do for Pelosi. Yay and amen. We should send him roses. Yeah, uh, fasting and prayer. It is something every Catholic can do, no matter what. It is a powerful tool. Uh, Sonia, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Glenn Trahan, good morning. Good morning. That's how he got addicted to ice cream, he says, was getting his tonsils out. Um, praise be to God. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, of course, Josh Patterson, Lori, good morning. Christopher Chance, good morning to you. Maureen, good morning. Uh, Joaquin is here. Sita is here. Don is here. Nicola, good morning to you. Sita, and uh, praise be to Jesus, is uh, our Josh Noel. I see you there. Josh is there. Who else? Where's our friend Jesus Robles? Gloria, good morning to you. Gloria and Dion Lopez, uh, good morning to you. There is Jesus. Praise be to God. Jesus Robles. Yes, Giselle, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today, by the way. Praise be to God. So we had a question from Clarissa. She said, uh, when was the first synod? It sounds like I've been hearing about them in recent years, but I'm not sure if they've been around for a while. If no synods for the first 2,000 years, 
Why do we need them now? Or would you, or would a proponent of synodality use the argument that bishops met in the early church as well and called it a council? Yeah. So history of synods, uh, honestly, I'd have to do some research in that because what I've been taught in school, which is uh, very much the Wait, uh, you were taught in school. Oh. Uh, well, yeah. I, cer- I certainly didn't teach the air, class. Are you talking sure. about air quotes? Like I was uh, taught. Well, in in my classes and for mm-hmm. like ecclesiology, mm-hmm. for instance, we mm-hmm. did talk about synodality and these kind of these kind of things. But in looking, terms of climate change, or but looking like, back on them, the it's uh, it's hard for me to to distinguish what was accurate information and what's not accurate information. Looking back, because like you said, the idea was, oh yeah, we've we've always had synods. The church has always had synods. But now that I'm thinking about it, I think with your point about the councils, I think that may have been like we're just equivocating the term council and synod, Um, though maybe there's not as much of a difference as we would once think. The, yeah, but there's an element here in this versus that. Right. right? So the, the the synods today are novel in the sense that yeah. they are um deciding as horrible <laughs> as Pope Francis said himself, we don't need another church, we need to build a different church. Well, he said a did he say build a different church? I believe so. Yeah. I if I remember correctly, here, I'll look the it word up was right now. Um, right now. I will we're going to change quote, the church. Quote, quote, we must not make another church. We must make a different church, unquote. Hmm. I always think of a different quote. He had said a couple of days ago, uh, we need to change the, we, the church will change, but not, uh, but it will not be a different church. So that's funny that you said that. Cause I was like, I had yeah, heard. Whereas say the exact in opposite. previous synods, it wasn't to figure out how you want to change things to match the times and the seasons. It was, uh, it was to help, you know, for instance, one of the good example, um, the, the Miratorium Fragment, which I've referenced on this show a number of times, one about 150 A.D. Go look it up. If you, How many people have read it by now? I've only mentioned it several times. Have you not Googled this? Read this document. It doesn't take you that long. The Miratorium Fragment, Google it, read it for yourself. 150 A.D. It's fascinating because the church is debating what's in canon, what's considered canonical when it comes to sacred scripture. They're having a conversation, but they're doing so only by letter. You know that's 150 AD. Do you do you know when they finally get together as bishops to decide it? Not the, the Synod of Hippo. Not yeah, 398. What? Why did it take more than another 150 years? Why? I don't know. Something called persecution. Something called chopping people up in bits and torturing them to death uh, because they were Christians. They didn't have time. They weren't they weren't available to to get together and to have these meetings. So once they can, and once the church comes out of the catacombs and Constantine becomes the greatest sponsor of Christianity and builds basilicas for them and sponsors their meetings at Nicaea, for instance, well, now they can get together and debate and discuss. The big issues that face and challenge the church, Arianism, and then eventually the Council of Hippo, and I think Constant, not Constantinople, there's the other, uh, is it Carthage? Uh, the other uh, North African council in the, so, la- in the late 4th century right. that decide the canon, which will be re- affirmed when? The Council of Trent, many centuries later. So my point is, these councils, they didn't gather to come up with novelties. They gathered to debate and discuss the biggest issues facing them for the and to come out with the mission of the church is always the same, to evangelize souls, to convert the whole world to Christ. So, okay, uh, see, okay, so the, so what, 
I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Um, one of the things is that, so Joe mentioned the can, the canonical, uh, creating the canon of scripture. In 393, the Synod of Hippo is what drafted and approved a list of canonical books, but this was only a synod, and so it only was binding in Hippo, which was where Augustine was. And 397, which ended in 398, as Joe said, it was the Council of Carthage who officially ratified the list, and that was a council as distinct from a synod, because the council is a meeting of the bishops universally, and a synod typically was a reference to something that was local, so a local synod uh, would be what it was. A universal synod is kind of novel. Um, and these what these synods are that we're having right now. And then to the question of like uh, of the uh, synodality, qua synodality or synodality as synodality as a way of governing the church, that is rather novel because the church was not ever governed by synods. Synods arose in response to certain things that needed to be addressed. But the idea that there would be constant synods happening uh, in order to create a, um, to govern the church in normal circumstances, that's very, very novel. Um, so I'd have to look more into the idea and topic of synodality mm. um, hey, to talk about that. Sylvia, good morning to you from El Paso. Praise be to God. Thanks for hanging out with us today. Are you a first-time commenter, Sylvia? Hmm. Is Sylvia a first-time commenter? I'm uh, not sure, but I don't hey, recognize well, her. hallelujah anyway. Praise be to God. We're very grateful to you, Sylvia. Thank you for hanging out with us, especially from El Paso. I haven't been to El Paso. I've been to El Paso once, I guess. And that was in 1996. In 1996, I was in El Paso. A very beautiful, uh, sort of epic feel because it's on the verge of a great desert. And then I went to, I crossed over and to New Mexico and went to Carlsbad Caverns, which is pretty amazing, actually. There's something mystical and spiritual about sunsets and sunrises in the desert. So uh, thanks for hanging out with us today from El Paso. Praise be to God. Uh, let's see. Uh, there's, a list, there's a hashtag growing here. Uh, I think hashtag keep the tonsils. Thanks to your grandmother. Uh-oh. She's, uh, <laughs> she's made it trend. Hashtag keep the tonsils. I didn't, it's funny. Wouldn't that be funny if that actually happened? That'd be hilarious. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure why they removed them, but it says here on <clears throat> Google, yeah. the tonsils are part of your body's immune system, which uh, helps kill germs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and stop germs from entering the body through the mouth. Yeah. Um, so we don't need that. Pretty essential. <laughs> no, no, totally random, not needed. It's like the appendix has no purpose whatsoever. Just get rid of them. Hey, Mike is hanging out with us, and Weber's World is hanging out with us over on Odyssey. There are others. They're just not commenting. But if you want to comment, let me encourage you. Be a first-time commenter. We love to recognize our commenters for the first time. So praise be to God. But good morning to you, Mike and Weber's World, uh, for hanging out with us. Uh, let's see here. He, Mike says, didn't you tell us, uh, did, didn't you tell us the answer to this question with the death row question came up yesterday? Yes. That, he's yes, referring to the trivia game question. No, question number two today was really what you used as a wrong answer for yesterday. yesterday. Exactly. So we had a uh, tricky business, the death row. They said, uh, the question yesterday was, uh, was the, um, do people on death row receive extreme unction? 
Yeah. And the answer is no. Yeah. They receive via holy viaticum, but they do not receive extreme unction. And then today, do people who are about to die receive, what is it that they receive? And it's viaticum. So Bad. there you go. There's your answer. Uh, Mike also says uh, his wife does not have hers. I'm guessing the tonsils, but the military took his wisdom. Oh, she doesn't have her teeth. You know, it's interesting. I got my wisdom teeth pulled by a young second lieutenant butter bar when I was in the Marine Corps. All four on the same day. And good grief, this guy, he came in and he's like, yeah, I mean, like he, he gave me like this one shot of morphine and then he started to climb on top of me with a crowbar and, uh, and try to pull out my wisdom teeth. And I almost knocked him out. And I'm like, Doc, here's the deal. You're going to give me another shot of morphine and then you're going to go smoke a cigarette and you're going to wait for it to set in. He's like, I, you, uh, uh, Corporal, I don't, I don't smoke. Well, you do today, Second Lieutenant, you do today. Give me the shot, go take a break, let it set in, and don't come back until my mouth is numb. And then he took out all four, and my mouth was filled with these giant gauze. I looked like Alvin and the Chipmunks. And then I had to go to, I had to, go to college that night. I was, in, I was at the University of Hawaii Pacific, and I had to go to class, jacked up on codeine. And it was the worst. It was the, it was the worst experience. Uh, I, have, I have a bad uh, wisdom teeth story, too. I got my wisdom. I got all all four of them um, taken out when I was fifteen, and um, six months later, I ended up getting an infection uh, on one of the sides of my um, lower bottom oh, teeth wow. here, and um, the 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 stitching of where the wisdom teeth oh. was at was not stitched well. Mm. So when I was eating, um, all of the food was like accumulating on this side, and so there was like. Basically, like pus and just like an infection. Uh, that's gross. Um, I know it sounds really. Um, and I was I was 15 years old, and I had to be hospitalized for two weeks um, wow. because basically my face was deformed. Like I had a big ball in my lower um, cheek, and I honestly thought I was going to die. <laughs> really, that's um, sad. But uh, I have a, I actually have a picture of when I when that happened to me here. Yeah, let's, no, 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 let's not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sci-fi. Well, I, mean, like, I mean, from the outside. Sure, sure. From, By the way, yeah. Sci-Fi Mike is hanging out with us also in Odyssey. Good morning to you, Sci-Fi Mike. Praise be to God. It's good to see you. <clears throat> Yikes, that's so gross. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so done. Uh, what, I, I, Sci-Fi Mike says his buddy had his tonsils removed in Russia. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Yikes, that's a little dude. scary. It's like, that's uh, a little scary. Don't move. Don't move. Just it's because nice. I am bad dentist does not make me bad dentist. <laughs> I mean, this is like yeah, bad. Like, that's so bad. What is it? You got to hold it closer. I can't. Yeah, bring it up. Yeah, bring it up. Yeah. Uh, oh, I can, it's a little blown out in the image, but it doesn't look pretty anyway. Yikes. Yeah. Yikes. That's so horrible. Oh, man. Yeah. That's rough yeah, stuff. <laughs> That is rough stuff. <clears throat> Let's see. So, yeah, I'm trying to read about Senate Alley right now. Hey, by the way, this. William Shatner, uh, J- Captain Kirk is going to space today. Captain Kirk. He's going to be the oldest Who's person. Captain Kirk. He's going to. Oh, come on now. Where's Where's my thing? I need my thing. What thing? The thing. The, I need the thing. What come thing? On, man. Exactly. Oh. Come on, man. Come on, man. William Shatner, uh, James Tiberius Kirk of the Starship Enterprise is going to space. The oldest person to go to space today. Why would they do that to him? Well, because he's Kirk. 
That's why. why. with all these old people, man. <clears throat> you have Mike Tyson, uh, uh, nearly 60 years old, trying to fight people. <clears throat> and you got he, he, old people Mike trying Tyson to fly to the, the champ of champs. For go into space. You he, got old he, people, because he's 50 91 something, years old, trying to star in action movies. Things. Like, what on earth? Doesn't change things. Mike Tyson is still a champ. Could be Tyson Fury every day of the week. Yeah, okay, man. <laughs> hey, by the way, uh, James Allen Mallory says, Janice, get better and come back soon. I still have my tonsils. Hey, you still got your tonsils, James? I'm surprised. Uh, you're, you're a man of a little older vintage than me, and I would have imagined you would have lost yours. He says, my dad has his appendix removed in his 70s. Oh, wow. The hospital food was awful. He is a gourmet cook in his retirement. That's amazing. Praise God. Thanks for hanging out, James, on our website, by the way. Pop quiz. Pop quiz. When the original, the older folks will know this, when the original Star Trek from the 1960s was canceled, um, What's Star Trek? <clears throat> okay, you see what I deal with around here? William Shatner. What did he do when that was canceled? Does anybody know? He, he was going, he, he was living, I think, out of, a, out of his van, if I'm not mistaken. When the series was canceled, he immediately picked up and left and went to do what? Anybody know? I'd love to know. A little random pop culture pop quiz. This he was, went to the church to pray. Don't I wish? Would you is that would have been amazing? No, no, no. Star Trek, you know, Star Trek. Um, I was a huge Star Trek fan as a kid because my dad was a huge Star Trek fan, and um, but unfortunately, William uh, Roddenberry was an atheist. You know, he built an atheist universe. Although some some have argued Star Trek represents a universal Chris, a Christendom in in the future, but I I disagree completely. It is atheism essentially. They try to make they try to make communism look good, in my opinion. What say you though, guys? Does anybody know? He started in a bad cop show. He starred in a bad cop show, according to Christopher Chance. He did, but that didn't come until the eighties. So we're talking about the sixties. Uh, he says, "I'm a lot, a lot older than you, and I still have mine." Don still has his tonsils. Praise be to God. Gene Roddenberry, thank you. I said I said William a minute ago. It was Gene. Anybody know? Does anybody know what William Shatner did? When he got the news that they canceled Star Trek, what did he go off to do with his van? Living out of his van. I'll have to give you the answer. The answer is he went to play in a William Shakespeare play. He is a Shakespearean actor. Did you even know that? I wonder. Don, uh, what was the website for the report on what was going on in the Vatican? Uh, that would be um, LepantoIN.org. Um, didn't we link to it? Uh, Pretty sure we did. It's in the description of all of our I'll, I'll streams. Link to it. I'll link to it. I'll just throw it in the link. Where's Don? Don, Don, here you go, buddy. Here is the link. Let's see. What's up with um, this uh, hashtag let's go, Brandon? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, Should we talk about I, this? Uh, okay. Can we talk it's about this? It's actually kind of funny, it's although vulgar. I love it. I really, I don't get it yet. Yeah. So what <laughs> happened was at a college football game, no, no, no. Was it, it? it was uh, NFL. So it started off. So it did happen at a college football game, but it originated over at a NASCAR game. What? Are it was a NASCAR. Well, NASCAR doesn't. Have or games, not NASCAR, but. but it was a. It was a. It wasn't even NASCAR. Are it you was being a, serious? Yeah, yeah. It was a. Um, Are you sure? A hundred percent. Because uh, the report were, I read said football. No, no, no. They were interviewing a, a racer, and his name was Brandon. Oh and, yes, you're yeah, right. Yeah. You're right. And the reporter was, was interviewing him, and uh, everybody in the stands started shouting vulgarity like you know f 
Joe Biden. Yes. And, uh, and the reporter, because, you know, the media loves, uh, to, uh, loves Joe Biden very much. He goes, wow, listen to that. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. And everybody was like, oh, yeah, okay. And so all of a sudden, uh, so every time, um, People start yelling that they're like, "Oh yeah, they're saying let's go, Brandon." And then now it's become a thing where instead of uh, instead of saying the the vulgarity against Joe Biden, everybody's saying "Let's go, Brandon." Let's go, Brandon. And so there's a joke going around right now that Joe Biden's going to show up to a uh, to a uh, rally and everybody's going to have signs saying "Let's go, Brandon," and uh, he's going to be like, "Wow." I don't know who this Brandon guy is, but he's doing great. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It's not so it's, good. It's meant to be like a a, dig, um, a vulgar a, dig, like a vulgar way of just saying, you know, we don't like Biden. Is that what it's saying? A cent- well, originally what it was was a reporter trying to cover up the fact that people were expressing disapproval for Joe Biden. And so they didn't want to report on that. And they want to, didn't want people to hear that. So they literally, like, you have your ears and you're listening to the report and they're telling you, no, that's not what they're saying. They're saying, let's go, Brandon. So that's, that's the thing. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> there you go. Oh, also, there was a funny story. In the, you, know, you know the story about Southwest Airlines vaccine mandates and the pilots that are clearly not participating in any sort of walkout or sick out or any of that. It is still the weather that is causing problems, you know, according to the CEO. I think his name is Craig, Greg Kelly or whatever. At any rate, um, there was a, a report, a funny story this morning that uh, all these passengers are stranded in the airport terminal wanting to know how they're going to get a, get to wherever they're wanting to go because there's no flights to take them there because pilots have taken their sick leave because of the vaccine mandates. Um, someone someone on the loudspeaker called for a passenger to report to the Southwest Airlines desk. And guess what the uh, passenger's name was? No mandates here. Nice. <laughs> so, so someone got on the loudspeaker at the airport terminal and said, no mandates here. Come to the Southwest of <laughs> desk. Nice. <laughs> I, I, I saw that last night and I was laughing. It was hilarious. I actually have it on my phone recorded. That's funny. I, I was I was just laughing at how hilarious it is. <laughs> no mandates. No mandates. <laughs> no mandates. Come to the front. <laughs> Come to Southwest Airlines. No mandates. <laughs> that's some good great. stuff there oh that's, yeah. that's so funny that's my kind of humor right there that's funny there you uh, go, folks. well praise be to god what, we only have a few minutes left here uh, madeline seven says uh the reinstate on their facebook page reinstate our holy priest there is a personal update from father james altman a few hours ago he is well and making plans hopefully praise soon be god. I know he was able to purchase a house for him and his uh, parents. Yeah. So praise be to God. Wonderful. Let's see. Uh, ten, now he is. He's only been suspended, right? He's not like. Are they laicizing him? Are they no, 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 no. He's not laicized and he's not excommunicated. He's literally all they've done is strip him of his faculties, which sounds like he's excommunicated, but in reality. Uh, that doesn't really mean anything in terms of his status in the church, only that he's not allowed to say the sacraments publicly. Yeah. So that's that's the only thing. So even though it sounds very scary, and it is very serious, it is very serious, and it's very detrimental for him because he's uh, he's desiring to use, say the sacraments for people, but it doesn't forbid him from saying private uh, masses. 
and um and he's not excommunicated not schismatic not anything he has no no um declaration against him so there you go so there you go folks um clarissa says wow thanks madeline and other news more good news guys my baby slept six hours last night and i got five hours straight of sleep ah praise wow praise be to god what are you gonna do now that you're all well rested five whole hours wow Seems, conquer the world it seems now. Seems a little selfish, Clarissa. I would say. Seems a little. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm teasing my wife. She. I used to joke and tease my wife. It's like I don't understand. I. I get wonderful sleep every time we have a new baby. My wife just gives me the look. <laughs> have you seen those pictures of like men while their or their wives are giving birth, and he's like. Like it's a picture of like hey, the the father will be standing there while yeah. the mother is in the bed and he's like playing video games. Like, can you pipe down? <laughs> <laughs> now I was there for the birth of all my kids and uh, praise be to God for it. And the last two, we went to a birthing center. We didn't go to the hospital, and it was the greatest experience. Going to a birthing center was just way better than going to the hospital. And um, I was there to uh, to welcome my child into the world, praise be to God. And it was such a great experience. So um, I, I don't regret that at all. I love that. And uh, you know, it doesn't seem to be God's will right now. We have more children. But if we did, I would look forward again. At any rate, praise be to Jesus. Thank you all for joining us today for the show. Uh, she says it sounds like her husband. That's awesome. Join us tomorrow. We're going to play the Henry Sear conversation tomorrow. And then... We're also going to have Tiffany Meyer from China in Focus. We're going to talk about the COVID camps that are being built for thousands upon thousands of their citizens. And then is Taiwan heating up to war again? I mean, again, still that and their economy that's about to fall flat. So much to talk about tomorrow. Join us. Tell a friend. We'd be very grateful to you. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you tomorrow right here on Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Until then.